Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. Well guys, good morning. My name's Bobby. For those of you who don't know me, I'm just kidding. My name is Steven. I am one of our pastors here and generally I serve in a much different capacity I have the honor and privilege today, though, to share a message with you guys on our second week of this series called Revival Town. We've given Pastor Bobby the week off. He's in Wyoming, relaxing, refreshing, getting renewed vision for our church. So continue to pray for him throughout this week. He'll be out there for the remainder of the week. and then. Um, but over the next week, you have me today, so promise to come back next week. It'll get better. But uh, yes, we are excited that you you're here. So, if you were in the first service, please let me apologize to you. We had so many different distractions, and I should have known that the enemy was trying to do something. Because this morning I got up, got started very early. I was like, I'm going to go to Starbucks. I'm going to study a little bit more before it starts. And if you notice, I don't have my Bible sitting up here. And can anybody take a guess of what happened at Starbucks to my Bible? No, it's not there. The coffee spilt all over my Bible, so now it's in my truck, like, fanning out, drying. So, but I do have all of the scripture here, and I want you guys to follow along with me today as we talk. But during the first service, there were many, many distractions that came in, one of them of which was my daughter, who decided to barricade through the door and uh, distract all of us. But the Lord knew exactly what he's doing. He still had a message for us. So I want to start off by praying Is that okay with you guys? Praying for distractions because I believe that the Lord does have something for us. I believe that the Lord has a piece of this message for every single person in this room. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you for the opportunity to sit here uh, at City Hope Church, a church that's passionate about delivering your word, your gospel. And so, Lord, I pray for any distractions come what may, Lord, that you... Go before them, Lord, that you keep our eyes and our heart affixed on the message that you have for us, Lord. Let it not be words of Stephen, but words that you have pointed us to today. Open our hearts, prepare us to be able to receive it. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, guys, a little bit about me. For those of you who don't know me, because I don't know a lot of you guys in here, and that's awesome. But if you know anything about me, I love to learn. I love to learn something new. A uh, matter of fact, when I finished with my doctorate degree a couple of years ago, I looked at my wife and I'm like, I'm ready to go back to school again. And she's like, you are insane. So if you find Amanda, she's in the back. I'm not going to share with you guys what I told her I wanted to study because it's insane. But go and ask her. She'll be happy to tell you, I'm sure. But also, you can ask any folks in my small group. Or we launched last week or even in a previous group that I led. I really thrive off of awkward moments. So throughout the sermon today, they're up here laughing at me right now because they know it's true. Uh, throughout the sermon today, my background's in education. I want you guys to talk back. I want you guys to go, mm-hmm, if you like something that you're hearing, right? Pastor Bobby talked about the moon a few weeks ago. So I want, if there's something that you're engaging with and the Lord's speaking to you, go, mm-hmm, let's talk it. Let's talk it through. Let's have a conversation with one another. Because you know what? If we're not engaging and we're not doing something, then there's a couple of things that may happen. We may be dozing off, so elbow the person next to you, say wake up. But I really, really believe that this message 
is for, has a piece of it for every single person in this room. The Lord's ready to use this to change not only you, but your family. Do you agree? And it's not because of me, but it's because of what the Lord is doing. So this sermon series is called Revival Town. Revival is a, a word that we don't hear very often. Pastor Bobby, if you were here last week, shared with you that uh, he, what revival means. Does anyone know? Do you want to come up here? I'll give you a microphone to say what it is, if so. I'm just kidding. Revival equals a fresh outpouring of God's life-giving spirit to his people. Only one person? <laughs> Let me say it again. Revival is a fresh outpouring of God's life-giving spirit on his people. God has something for us. It's whether we are ready to receive what he has or not. So today, I want to start off by sharing a story. As I was reading and preparing for this, we're talking about revival. What does it look like? Um, So this story came to mind. So bear with me as I share it. In September 23rd, 1857... There was a businessman in New York City sitting alone on the third floor of this church. The church is known as the North Dutch Church in New York City. Anybody ever heard this story? Great. So this gentleman's name was Jeremiah, I'm probably not pronouncing his last name right, but Lanfear is how I believe it's pronounced. He's sitting up here, he's a businessman, and he's on the streets of New York, sitting three floors above, where just a few months earlier... Riots and gang fights were breaking out on the same street. So he had a passion that began to stir inside of him, and he began to invite some of his other businessmen to come for a time of prayer. They were going to do it during their lunch hour. If you know anything about New York, there are people from all walks of life, Christians, non-Christians, people that don't believe in anything, people that believe in something else. Everywhere, just like we are here, but New York especially. So businessman, they're about a block and a half, two blocks from Wall Street. He invites his colleagues to come for this time of prayer. During their first meeting, he's sitting there by himself, praying. 30 minutes later, still nobody. Can you imagine the, how discouraged he felt? Can you imagine the things that started going through his mind? Well... He decided the next day he's going to do it again. The next day, six people showed up. Six people. They're ready to pray during their lunch hour. (coughs) Excuse me. A few weeks later, a few weeks went by. They're into October now. And there are 30 people regularly attending this prayer gathering. Let me remind you that there's little to no agenda for this meeting. The meeting basically exists for you to come and pray however long you want to pray, and that's it. People are coming from all walks of life, all areas of faith, and a lot of people wouldn't know the faith. By the spring of 1858, so this is about nine months later, give or take, over 10,000 individuals have started attending this daily prayer gathering. This was referred to as the event of the century. If you go back and look it up, you'll see what I'm talking about. So what started as a prayer meeting began to spread all across the nation. And because of that, the Big C Church, talking about churches, not one individual, grew by hundreds and thousands of people. People come to know the Lord. Because of that, this began to spread 
internationally, where we get mission, missionaries like Lottie Moon, who served in China, because of these type of events. Let me remind you that, <coughs> excuse me, I'm struggling today. This sign right here was probably written by hand, posted on a post outside the church, nothing special about it, so they didn't have a huge marketing scheme or spending thousands of dollars. Let's read it. It says, daily prayer meeting from 12 to 1 o'clock. Stop. 5, 10, 20 minutes, or the whole hour. As your time admits. Come. That's all the marketing they put into it. But 10,000 people, lives were changed because of it. Revival is a word that we don't hear often, which is why you're going to hear us for the next couple of weeks keep reminding you what revival means. But you don't see it. We don't really experience it. And a lot of times what we experience is it's somewhere far away from us, right? We hear it, but it's not right here. It's over there. It's in that other country. <laughs> Last week, Pastor Bobby shared about another revival called the Azusa Street Revival. Were you guys here? Do you remember that? Raise your hand. Were you here? Okay, all of you guys that wasn't here, here's a shameless plug. Go and listen to it on the podcast. It is an incredible message that about what revival looks like. And we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. But the Azusa Street Revival was marked by unity. The revival that I was just referring to, the businessmen's revival, also started, and they share one clear sign. Does anybody know what that is? Huh? Prayer. Prayer. Today we're talking about the sign of prayer. And as we look back and we begin to see how this relates to our life. I want you guys to bear with me. <clears throat> We're going to look at Acts 2, starting in verse 42. It should be on the screens. This is where Luke, who was a first century Christian, um, recorded what was happening. Because it was also based around prayer. And 40, starting in verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, at the many wonders and signs that were performed by the apostles. So as we look down the road of revival together, what are some signs of prayer in your life? Remember I told you, this is going to be a little bit of a different sermon today. We're looking at us. What does prayer look like in you? What are you praying for? What are you praying to see? What are you asking God to do? Because what we believe as Christians, as City Hope, we believe that the road to Revival Town is easy to find when you follow the signs and wonders along the way. Amen? Revival can be there. We have to ask. So I'm going to pray for us again because we're going to pray for revival. You guys agree? Let's do it. Jesus, we come to you right now, Lord, and we ask for you to begin to spark something inside of us. Spark a new revival. Regenerate something that is there that we are called to be, to be like you. So, Lord, I pray from this moment forward, our mind and our hearts are fixed upon you to receive all of that it is and for us to be all that we can be for you and for your kingdom. And it's in your name. Amen. <clears throat> I like to learn. I told you that. So there was a study that was done in 2021, and this study was about prayer. In 2021, the people that were a part of the study, 45% of those adults say that they pray daily. And you're thinking, okay, that's probably not terrible, right? Because they probably 
talked to some people that wasn't Christians or didn't have any body or thing that they were praying to. So not a terrible thing. What's unfortunate is that the same study was done 15 years earlier. And the study went down 13%. 15 years earlier, it was at 58%. And now we're down to 45%. let us keep digging a little bit more. Only 15% of Christians that were surveyed said that they're satisfied with their prayer life. Many Christians in the survey said that they don't even have a specific time that they pray. And of that, 25 to 38% of them say that they haven't prayed longer than 10 minutes in the past 24 hours. What about you? Where do you fall in those statistics? Because I think we're all in there somewhere. How many of you guys have ever paid attention to these white tents that we have? Anybody? Yeah? Nobody? Colby's got it. Um, But these white tents serve a purpose. And you're going to hear me mention it a few times throughout the service today. But the one that's directly behind us is staffed by a care team. That care team is there. They're ready to pray with you, pray for you, pray alongside of you, walk with you through some of the hardest things that you're dealing with in life, or walk with you through some of the best Thing so that we can celebrate alongside of you. But what I want to remind you of is a life without prayer is not a life that's modeled after Jesus. Did you get that? A life without prayer is not a life that's modeled after Jesus. And you're probably thinking, well, Stephen, why? I'm still, I still believe. I still am following Scripture. Well, as Christians, we're called to follow the example that Christ set before us. And during Jesus' time of ministry, during some of the busiest times of his ministry, and some of the hardest times of his ministry, you look around, you ask the disciples, where is Jesus? Where is he? He's over in the garden praying. He's here. He's praying. He's crying prayers over his people, for his people. If we're called to live a life modeled after Christ, we're called to make sure that prayer is a part of who we are and what we're doing. So we're going to dive into some scripture today. You guys ready for it? We're going to start in Luke 11, and we're going to break it down verses by verses, so bear with me. But starting in verse 1, I'll give you a second to turn there. Starting in verse 1, it says, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John the Baptist taught his disciples. He then said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. That's verses 1 through 4. If you've been around church for any number of days or years, what does that prayer refer to? The Lord's Prayer. However, a lot of times we get caught up and we look at it. It looks good on a picture. We see it there. Maybe on a bookmark you might have it. But we're not doing what it's telling us to do. This is a prayer that I want to challenge you to use as a roadmap for your prayer life. Because you may be sitting here and saying, Stephen, I don't even know where to start. 
There's four verses that's telling you how to start right there. And then as you begin to repeat that, pray that through and through, it's going to start stirring something. It's going to start changing something inside of you. And then you're going to be like, you may say, well, I don't even know what Hallowed means, right? Because some of you are probably like pulling out your phone right now, researching what it means. We don't have to use big, pretty words, but just so you guys know, all that means is greatly honored. And when we're praying to the Lord, we are honoring him. We are giving him our gratitude for who he is. He is holy. But as you begin to repeat this prayer and using it as your roadmap, you're going to be able to start shifting it a little bit. You're going to be able to start worshiping God for who he is. You're going to be able to start saying prayers, thanking him for what he's done in your life, in your family's life, in your businesses, in your community. You're going to feel comfortable enough to start asking God for the things that you need. Because you know what? God cares for us. And he wants what's best for us. But sometimes we get stuck in ourself and we're saying, you know what? I got to figure this out. I can do it. And let's be honest, we live in an, an area where a lot of people have a lot of resources. Our small group was just talking about this the other night. We have a lot of resources. So it becomes easy to rely on our resources to get us through and to do the things that we do. But what the Lord is asking us to do is to give it back to him to put it back at his feet. And then what you'll see is you'll also become comfortable enough to say, hey, I've done wrong. I've wronged you. I've wronged someone else. And I'm seeking your forgiveness. And then as you keep using this as your roadmap, you're going to be able and comfortable enough to start saying, Lord, protect me. There's this area that I'm struggling with. There's this area that is temptation for me. I need you to provide me a way out. I need you to be with me and walk me through that. Amen? We're going to keep reading. We're going to pick back up in verse 5. And it says, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. This is kind of a weird scenario, right? Because we're thinking in our head, uh, what in the world is happening? Like, why is he going to his neighbor's house asking for food for someone that showed up at midnight? Because most of us, if someone shows up at midnight, we know they're coming. Or we have something that we could give them. Well, let's think about the setting that we're in right now. Number one, there's no grocery store because, you know, we have Walmarts that's open 24-7. They're not running to Walmart. They're not running to Kroger where we can get what we need. They're going to their neighbor because everything's fresh. Everything's going to rot if we keep it too long. So they're running to their neighbor. And they're probably thinking things like this. I'm not going to go to that neighbor because I know they don't have the good stuff. So I'm going to go over here. I'm going to knock on the door. I'm going to get the good stuff because I want to present the best to the people that showed up. Let's keep reading and see where this is going to take us. Bear with me, okay? I know, I know what you're thinking, probably. <laughs> Number seven says, And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. So, the host or the owner of this house, you know, they've already went to their good neighbor's house, and they're saying, Hey, let me in. Let me in. Give me what we, what we need. I embarrass 
we have some neighbors that go to church here, and I grabbed them in the parking lot just a few minutes ago, and I said, hey, I'm going to use you guys as an example. I'm not going to really do it. But I was thinking, who would we go to if we really needed to do this? And really, the reality is, our folks that live here, or go to church here, they live probably you know, a block and a half from us, but that would be who we would run to. But just like me, if someone showed up at my door, what are you going to do? The garage is going to be shut, the door is going to be locked, and you're probably going to pull out your phone, you're going to click on the Ring app, and you're going to see who the heck is at my door at midnight. They don't have that, so let's keep going and see where it's going to take us, okay? We have to remember that in this scenario, it's not all about the bread. It's about if I don't have this, the shame, the guilt that I'm going to experience if I can't be the best host that I can be to this person, okay? So keeping that in mind, let's read verse 8. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. What we're seeing here is the host and the owner of this home is not just looking for bread. He's looking for a rescue. He's looking for someone to save him and escape because if not, he will be shamed. Because this was a huge deal during then. If you wasn't prepared and someone showed up and you didn't have anything to serve them, shame. This is why the host was so persistent. Let me in. Give me some bread. So I want to ask you a question. What are you desperate for in your prayer life? Because a couple of examples come to my mind. We get in the habit of praying these quick little prayers, which are great. Like we need to be praying quick little prayers. But if this is all we're ever praying, then we're in trouble. If we pray, Lord, bless this food, then that might be all that we ever have. If that's our only prayer. If you pray for your kids each night and the only thing that you say is, Lord, I pray for sweet dreams, then that's all that you can ever hope for for your kids. Don't you want your kids to come and become a follower of Christ? We need to pray for an opportunity when the day comes for that to happen. But if we're just praying for peaceful and restful dreams, that might be all the Lord gives us because that's all we're asking for. If we only pray when we get in the car for a safe trip, then that might be all we ever get. It's just a safe trip. That might be it. So I say all these things. All these are great prayers. You've heard us over and over. We need to be intentional about our prayer time. Keyword, intentional. It has to go somewhere beyond that. But what would happen if our prayer life switched? What would happen if we prayed for revival? What would happen if in your life you prayed for a spiritual revival in our church? What would happen to our communities? And you may be asking, Stephen, it can't really be that simple. I can pray for things and like they may never happen. Okay, but let's go back and see what Scripture says about it. Picking back up in verse 9, it says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. 
and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Let me point out a couple of things for you. It doesn't just say the pastor that prays. It doesn't say our president. It doesn't say anybody important. What does it say? Anyone, everyone who prays, God's going to answer. And I know that's confusing. It can get into sticking. We can do a whole other sermon just on that. But the reality is the Lord's going to answer it and He's going to give you the provision that He believes that you need in your life. And it's not always exactly what we see or what we think we need. You know, our country, I feel like we're kind of all divided. And I don't really like talking about this too often because everybody in this room is going to have a different, a different opinion. But if I was to split our country into four categories, these are the categories that I would think that we would be split over. Our economy, race, politics, and ideology. Those would be the things that I would say these are the hot topics right now of our country. I also believe that, you know, our world is divided by wars and borders. These are constant things that's happening. And to make it all even worse, our governments can't get along with one another. I say that all to say this. We challenge you guys week in and week after, week in and week out, sorry, to find someone that is close to you but far from God. And that becomes challenging. Because what happens is we begin to run all of these thoughts. Well, what if they're like this? What if they're over here? You know, we want to be the best example for God that we can be the best friend that we can be to this person and also still honor God, right? So as I was thinking through that, I began to like look back in Scripture because there's a story that reminded me of this as I was reading it. You know, in Ezekiel, not Ezra, Ezekiel, um, he shows up. He was a prophet that shows up and begins to speak on God's behalf. They were people that were similar to us. These were people from Israel, God's holy land, that were Separated. They were in another place at the time, Babylonia. And they were experiencing things that we kind of find ourselves experiencing right now. And what they were most afraid of is they were afraid that they're in danger of growing spiritually lazy toward the Lord and apathetic. So I want to do something because I believe that this piece is powerful. I'm going to take just a second. I'm going to read some scripture over you guys. It's not going to be on the screen. If you want to follow along with me, you can. It's Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. It's going to take me a couple of minutes to read, but I want, as I read this, for it to soak in. I want for this to be an opportunity for you to hear the scripture and what the Lord's really saying in this through Ezekiel, okay? So you can follow along in your Bible if you want to. If not, listen to the words I'm going to share. The hand of the Lord was on me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones, picking up in verse 2. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live again? And I said, Sovereign Lord, You alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. 
I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am Lord. Verse 7. So I prophesied, and I was commanded, as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them. And the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I once again prophesied as I was commanded. And breath entered them. They came to life. They stood up on their feet as a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones have dried up and our hope is gone. We're cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And I have done it, declares the Lord. What we see here is that when we are desiring revival, revival will come. When we are desiring something afresh or anew from the Lord, it's going to come. Although that this physical nature of this passage isn't something that it's clearly intended for, uh, it, it was clearly intended for God's people that was in Babylonia at the time. However, I believe the spiritual nature of this is a reminder to all God's people. It's a reminder and a promise to everyone who follows Him. As we begin to wrap up today, I want to leave you guys with two challenges. The first one is I want you to pray for a spiritual revival in your life. When God brings revival, it will bring the dry bones of your soul to life. It doesn't matter how long you feel like you've been spiritual dead. It doesn't matter how spiritually dead you think you are. It doesn't matter how you became spiritually dead. The Lord's going to do it. We read it right here. Like Ezekiel, is God calling you to pray for spiritual revival? What's he calling you to pray for? For yourself? Your family? Our church? The Big C Church? Maybe our country? Because when we ask, the Lord is going to supply. He's going to give us things that are special and on our heart that's for us to pray for. So again, I go back to this question that I've repeated several times. What would happen in your life if you did pray for spiritual revival? The past few weeks, we've been in this prayer series leading up to the series we're in currently. And we saw hundreds of requests that came in. 
the last Sunday of that series, we did something totally different that we've never done, that most churches would never even consider doing. We had prayer stations, each of those stations representing something totally different. We had an opportunity where we took the cross and we challenged everyone to think of that one person that's close to you but far from God. And I would say 90 plus percent of you guys got up, wrote a name on a sticky note, and went and stuck it on that cross. And what this reminds me of is this reminds me of a revival that needs to happen in our life, a prayer that needs to be prayed. If we just put a note on that cross and we leave it there, then it's just a name on a piece of paper. Yes, our team has those sticky notes. Our team has prayed for those names. We don't know those people. We don't know them. We would probably not even recognize them if we went out because we don't know who they are. But the challenge was to write someone that is close to you and far from God. And if you did that, then you need to pray for a revival to happen, something to stir in you so that you have an opportunity to share the gospel with that person. Number two, the second challenge is I want to pray, I want us to pray for spiritual revival of the church. And this isn't just referring to City Hope. This is referring to that Big C church. Every church in our community and across the nation and around the world. The Big C. Last week, we had an opportunity to talk about a uh, prophet named Ezra. And he also writes this and he reminds us in 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says, If God's people were called by His name, will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. So what would happen if we begin to pray? The answer is right there. God's going to hear it. And remember, he's not just answering the prayers of me or someone that you put on a pedestal. He's answering everyone. He's here for everyone. I can't help but think back to the story that I shared you guys, shared with you guys at the beginning. With Jeremiah, as he sat there on day one, the amount of, he, well, he probably really just was not encouraged at all at that point. Day one, no one showed up. So I just have a feeling that the Lord began to speak to his heart. Keep going. Keep going. Stop by for five, 10, or 20 minutes. Pray with me. He had no idea, no way of knowing that because of his prayer meeting with some of his businessmen that it was going to be called the event of the century. Lives of 10,000 plus people were going to be forever changed. So what are you praying for? What are you praying to see? Or what are you asking God to do? Because what I know is that the prayers are a sign on the road to revival. And we have to believe that in our heart. I want to take just a moment to pray as we wrap up. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that today is a different day. Today is a message that was brought to us that hits everyone a little bit differently, Lord. But after the first service, we left encouraged to know that this is for us, that this is for everyone, 
that this is something that can make a difference in my life, in my family's life, in my community. And Lord, I want it. I don't want to be left behind. I want what you have for me. So Lord, I pray for everyone sitting in this room, those that may listen to this later, I pray that you begin to stir something inside their heart. Or if they're in a place where they don't really know how to pray, they don't know the steps to pray, Lord, I pray that they have the boldness to step out, go to our care tent, where people are ready to walk alongside of them, to show them the way, Lord. To pray for them and with them, Lord. I pray that we, we take all of this and we say, okay, I'm ready for revival in my family. I'm ready for something to shift. I'm ready for something to change. But it has to start with me. And then the Lord will do the rest. Jesus, you're a big God. So whatever I'm bringing to you, whatever we're bringing to you, Lord, we know that it's not too big for you to handle. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you. And the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you and have a wonderful day.